Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and tonight we have a great show for you. We are going to be talking about a bunch of stuff, including a lot of cool stuff with Apple, some stuff going on with Microsoft, some privacy concerns that have just unfolded in the last couple weeks. Uh, as always, our obligatory NFT articles and some new information about Google's store that's going to be coming out. Uh, we have some cool news about Tesla, and we have a really cool article to end off the show tonight. So, without further ado, we are joined once again by uh, Matt Grislow. Thank you for being here, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal, Fitz. How are you, man? I am doing well. It has been a very busy week for both of us, as we have chatted kind of before the show here. And... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of news that's come out this week, wouldn't you say? Yes, so? yes. Awesome. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good stuff. Um, today is probably a little more heavy on a few subjects, but a lot has come out about those few uh, areas and, and topics. So glad to get into it with you, and as always with uh, the rest of Tech Talk Nation. All righty. Well, without further ado, let's just get started here. Uh, first article we have for you today is about Apple's AirPod Max and AirPod Pros. Last week, you'll remember, we mentioned about the Apple Music lossless service that they were starting out. Well, if you have any of these, it doesn't matter because you're not going to get it. Um, Apple basically said uh, that they're creating this higher tier, but they aren't uh, taking care of uh, the people who have already bought these headphones. But... They will use this on the HomePod Mini and the HomePod. So you have two kind of different classes of devices here, in my opinion, that kind of are different with the with the uh, Apple devices and how you're using them. Uh, so basically, I don't know how I feel on this one. What, what's your thoughts? So I think I'm not sure if we touched on this last week. I mean... I it was very clear, I think, to anyone who was watching or listening that in my discussions with uh, you two and, and Ryan, that even I was kind of not very knowledgeable on, you know, lossless audio. Um, and I think that also rings true to the standard consumer, right? They thought when Apple announced that they're going to have this high fidelity uh, internet, or not internet, uh, music streaming, um, that they'd be able to take full advantage of it no matter what kind of hardware that they were listening on. And unfortunately, it's not the case. Um you know, a lot of people, including myself, use use AirPods. Um, actually, have the other AirPods here too, in a stupid little leather case. Um, and I can't take advantage of that new service. Um, granted, I don't use Apple Music, but I I'm sure there's a, a good amount of people that do, and that we're really looking forward to this, especially those who purchased the five hundred uh, plus dollar uh, AirPods Max. And so, yeah, I, I can see it kind of being pretty discouraging to some people, but I, I think it's good that Apple kind of clarified their stance on it. Um, and did come out with more of an official statement, you know, saying what does and what doesn't work. Um, my HomePod Mini, I guess, will be supporting it. But again, I don't use Apple Music, so it won't matter. Um, also, one thing to know, if you use the uh, 3.5 millimeter to uh, audio jack with uh, your iPhone, you will be able to take advantage of that because it does support uh, that functionality and that feature, those features. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, if you're using... Uh, any sort of wireless uh, Apple products, Bluetooth Apple products, you can't uh, take advantage of the lossless audio. Um, unfortunately, I believe the uh, AirPods Max has some sort of cable you can use um, it, if you can, um, but it won't work. So, yeah, well, kind of disappointing for people that were looking forward to it when they heard the news. Um, but, you know, it's good that they did come out and clarify it. So we'll see in the future if uh, they include support for it um with some of their other devices obviously it's very difficult and almost impossible to do with bluetooth but you know we'll see right right well you you did mention you don't use uh apple music with that but you do, i know you and you do use spotify uh, uh -huh. so you'll be happy to know uh, Spotify is going to be launching a hi-fi music service uh, could be imminent as a user spotted an icon in their iOS app. Uh, this is a complete direct 
uh, response to Apple for launching their own um, hi-fi music service. Uh, and I mean, I'm super happy about it. Um, and the one thing that I did find interesting is all of these articles were written like the, the first one was on T3. Then we had one on Gizmodo. This one's on nine to five Mac. And basically all of them are saying the same thing. They're like, this is only going to affect a certain amount of users who have very expensive equipment and love their music with a passion and want to listen to it a certain way. Uh, if Ryan were here oh. today, uh, and of course he, he couldn't um, be here today, unfortunately, but um, basically the, people like Ryan would love this because he has a DAC, he has all sorts of pro audio equipment. I have a nice headset. I mean, I do have a microphone and stuff like that, um, but I am no way whatsoever as advanced as a lot of people who are true audiophiles. So, yeah, actually, that's you surprised me with this article because uh, I didn't know you were going to show us one um, and I hadn't I hadn't seen this yet. This is a yeah, it's cool. It's good that they're um, realizing their competition and going to be uh, putting this out again. Like you said, it's not going to benefit everyone, um, especially with more and more people moving uh, towards Bluetooth and wireless earbuds and headphones. Um, but it is good that Apple Music now has competition in, in that space of, of hi-fi. Uh, audio and uh it just makes sense for spotify to do it right if their competitors doing it they should too definitely definitely that's how you stay relevant that's how you gain more market share that's how you're staying you you gotta keep up with your competitors right speaking of uh keeping up with your competitors and just being a good company as a whole uh apple is releasing their new software update uh, they're issuing an update now warning to all iPhone users for iOS 14.6. Long story short, this fixes a couple of issues with WebKit, um, which allows you to basically become a uh, access the kernel just by loading a couple of websites. Uh, long story short, if you have an iPhone running iOS 14, consider updating it. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, that's, that's kind of uh, interesting on that one, but... Uh, Matt, you sent in this video here. Uh, I actually just watched this, but it is a YouTube video about privacy on iPhone. And I know you wanted to touch on this one. Uh, yeah. I kind of, I don't want to show the entire thing because this is Apple's intellectual property, but long story well, you short. Can, you can, you can take the music out and show it because um, the music is the copyrighted part. Well, still, it's still their property, but. And, but you don't have to show the whole thing. Yeah, anyway. Um, I guess. Guy, I can walk through it if you'd like. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Apple is really big on privacy right now. They've been pushing it for a while. And uh, with, with the new release of, I believe it was iOS 14.5, um, they pushed out all kinds of new privacy features and, and tracking features, um, which a lot of companies like uh, Facebook were not happy about. Uh, and so they put this, uh, this ad out uh, to kind of explain to the consumer what is going on and what has been going on on their phones and what they've now... Uh, implemented on their on their systems in order to mitigate that. Um, so I don't know if you'd like to play some of that now. Well, it's the thing I found interesting about this video is it just kind of shows what's what's going on in a way. So like this guy's at a coffee shop, people start following him, more people start following him. His his like spending history is shared with a bunch of people. The banker gives it to other people. More people start following him. Uh, and then it keeps on going on, going on. And then it really goes, uh, real, the thing that I really like about this is they go, see who tracks your information, ask app not to track. And then all these people start disappearing. And I think that's a really, really powerful, um, ad for Apple. I, I, I applaud their marketing department, uh, for this, yeah. for this, uh, yeah. um, service here. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think this really does a good job of showing the average consumer what's going on with your device um, in the background. You don't see it. You, you can't, you know, look into menus and things to, to find it. I mean, you, I guess you can all the way in settings, but typical people don't do that. Right. Um, and so for Apple to come out and say, hey, um, this is what happens when you go to a coffee shop, when you access your information, um, other people get access to it. Um, and we're trying to mitigate that. We're Apple, and we want you to uh, be the the owner of your data, and we don't want anyone else to uh, infringe on your data. 
right. or, or, or get your data um, when you don't need to. So I think it's really cool. I, I think it's uh, yeah, really good on Apple uh, for that. And uh, I'm, I know that other companies are going to be more and more unhappy with them as uh, as this we, we sort of see the, the fallout of this, this new uh, iOS, well, I guess now the old iOS update with 14.6 coming out. Um, but yeah, I, I love that, that, uh, that ad. I, I think it's great. And it, it really does a good job of hitting home how important not only privacy should be to you, but how important your privacy is to Apple and how seriously they right. take it. Right, right, definitely. And we, we say how good marketing is for for that ad in particular uh in my opinion this next article we're going to talk about is a little bit of a blunder on their side uh apple's excuse for no air tag uh type technology in the new siri remote is it's too thick to lose in your couch uh tim tim twirdall says the apple tv remote doesn't need this technology because it's too big to get stuck uh long story short uh, he basically said that <laughs> I don't think that's the best technology because at least in my experience, remotes find a way to get anywhere. I once found a remote stuck in between the two sections in my sectional, like in between the two pieces. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, especially someone who did buy the new apple uh siri remote for the apple tv which i just got the notifications coming tomorrow so kind of oh interesting should have had the show episode. tomorrow gosh darn i know i know so i well, i can go in on it uh next week and, and kind of uh compare the two previous remotes and this one show you the differences and, and give you a good honest review of how i like it um definitely yeah that was the first thing that i was thinking of especially coming off of that because that wasn't the first product announcement at that event the first product announcement at that event was the uh air tags and so again they were pushing the whole u1 chip about how awesome it is um especially with this new product and then they unveiled the new apple tv uh the long-awaited new uh refresh remote and of course of all the features or the new features they added the one they didn't was uh the u1 chip i don't think it would be that hard to implement it I really don't, especially for how thick it is. It wasn't like they're trying to save, you know, space or try and, you know, minimize the size. Because that was a big complaint of a lot of people. Um, and especially this one remote is supposed to be pretty thick uh, or thicker than the old one. Um, I lose remotes that have AA batteries and um, in the couch cushions still. It doesn't matter how thick or thin they are. Um, they get lost. And with Apple's, uh, you know, proprietary uh, tech with that U1 chip, it would have been so easy for them to implement it. Um, I'm sure there are going to be people who are going to be sticking like air tags on there via like double-sided tape or um, maybe use other, other uh, tracking uh, little things that have adhesives on them. I know tile makes one um, there. It's like a little button size. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing I'm not really happy about. Uh, I wish they would have included it. And I think it was a really poor uh, answer to the question. Um, I, I hope they include it in the future. It'd be nice to see. That is for sure. Yeah. Next article we have for you today is iFixit had a new teardown of the new M1 Mac. Uh, long story short, basically, this is what it looks like on the inside. I remember we wanted to take a look at this, uh, kind of see what was going on. There are two fans here, if you'll notice, that they're venting out the bottom of the device as a whole. It looks like the speakers are here and here. And then you have a fan here and here. Uh, iFixit is kind of notorious for wanting things to be easier to repair, all the right to repair stuff. And they ranked this uh, <laughs> this Mac a 2 out of 10 for a repairability score. Um, I completely understand why they did this. And I know why. Uh, everything is all soldered. Everything is... It's not serviceable. The only parts that are is the ports, according to this article and how um, iFixit has taken a look at that. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I'm always a very much so proponent of if I'm going to get a computer, um, number one, I want it to be serviceable so I can do whatever I want to it and prolong the life of it. And number two, I want it to be able to be able to me like just upgrade it too. like there's going to be a time when that PC is going to slow or that Mac or whatever I buy is going to slow down to a point where it will take some effort to bring it back up to speed. 
And whether that be putting like an SSD or a faster SSD or better RAM or something like that in the computer, I always want that. And it just irks me so much that this is the new trend. Thinner is better. No, serviceability is better in my opinion. You know, yeah, you have a good point. Um, I think two, and these are are not original thoughts, some two things that they mentioned in that article. Um, two things that stood out to me were the M1 Mac, um, iMac, got the M1 chip, right? It has now more integrated parts into it than the previous generation and, and more so than other uh, competitors in the market. And so that's another reason why they probably did give it a lower score. Um, understandable. But also, um, I mean, iFixit is in the market, or at least, you know, they're in the business of showing how serviceable things are and, and really getting good teardown uh, explanations with, with good uh, uh, reports for how you can service things. The M1 chip's only a year old. We don't know, really, and Apple, I'm assuming, doesn't, unless they've been testing this for years and years and years. I don't think they really know how long... Um, some of those newly integrated pieces on that chip are going to last. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, I guess, test case for, uh, I guess, specifically uh, a computer, uh, this iMac, um, going forward. Um, I don't know why I guess the other thing I was going to say was. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see and really cool to see the internals of this uh, computer, finally. Um, actually, a good interesting thing to see is, again, all, all the components at the bottom. There's nothing much uh, behind that screen except for some uh, big heat sinks and I think some connectors as well. Right. Um, which you could also say, well, they could have taken the chin out and they could have put the pieces underneath, you know, the screen, but Apple wanted it to be thin enough. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But, uh, right. I, yeah, I, I think it's cool to see the insides finally. Again, I understand the score that iFixit gave. Um, but considering the fact this is a whole new system, we don't really know. Um, how it's gonna be, how it's gonna age, um, and they've been they've been saying how a more integrated, um, what is it, the the RAM and and An uh, SOC, a system on a chip, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, some of these other parts that are newly integrated in, in ways we haven't seen before in other consumer electronics. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how these things age over time and uh, how they perform, and if uh, if repairs need to be made. Uh, how expensive it's going to be to do that. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, in other Apple news too, uh, WWDC is coming up on June 7th. Um, so going to be interesting. Uh, long story short, they got some keynotes and workshops. Um, just keep our eyes out for whatever uh, may be coming. It's cool. Um, other side note, uh, this new trend of floating heads. I've, I've seen this in like several different things. This just creeps me out. I don't know about anybody else, but, uh, that's, Ooh, that's wait, just a trend. What do you mean trend? I've seen, I've seen this on like, like probably a good five other commercials that are on well, TV in the Chicagoland area. Like, like but floating heads doing something. Exclusively Apple though, or no? Oh no, no, not Apple at all. But just like really? in general, I just think it's creepy. So. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking exclusively about no, the no, 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 no. emoji heads because I think they're the weirdest thing. When they first got unveiled, I think when I got my last phone and whatever year is when the iPhone 10 came out, I thought it was the weirdest thing, and I still don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know people that use that a ton. Um, yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one creepy. one side note for the uh, WWDC for the second year in a row, it's going to be fully virtual, um, so there will not be any live attendance. Um, and typically, as history has shown us, the first day, uh, usually that event is for Apple to unveil all the new products, uh, or at least it's new software. So the new Mac OS, new iPad OS, iOS, uh, Watch OS, any updates to our software, and possibly, potentially, uh, some new Mac stuff. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I'd be curious if they would be unveiling a new, like, uh, iMac for power users, um, or possibly new MacBooks with the M1 chip. Um We'll see. Definitely. Definitely. Well, one thing that definitely is not going to get unveiled, it's actually going to get sunset, is Windows Internet Explorer. Well, shed a tear for Windows Internet Explorer. It's going to be retired on June 15th, 2022. 
and Windows is going to force everybody over to Edge. So pour one out for Internet Explorer, the OS or the Internet browser that was used to download Chrome. All right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Microsoft is going to be pushing into the growing grocery tech market with a new deal in China. Long story short, they partnered with a company uh, in China called Hanshou to collaborate on cloud-based inventory and um, basically like store automation software uh, for uh, stores. And I'm not a huge fan of this. Microsoft is trying to get into markets for everything software-related, period. I want them to stay what they're good at, make a nice OS, do your word processing, and call it a day. Like, do your core business applications and your operating system, call it a day. Stop going into all these other markets. I mean, Microsoft's a big company, man. It's not like, you know, Tile, where they're kind of, they found their niche, you know, with a small uh, tracking accessory. They're they're a big company, um, mm -hmm. just like, you know, Google and, and, and Apple. And Facebook, um, they all want to do something else. They want to do something different, um, adding to their kind of portfolio of things they do. Um, I don't. I guess I don't have a problem. I mean, well, Amazon has has their uh, their uh, stores, their their retail locations. Yeah, um, but the thing is, like, they're. I mean, granted, you could argue this back and forth, but one of their core markets, what they started out was. With, was retail. So I could see that being an, a natural flow. With Microsoft, they started out as software, and now they're going into retail software. Like, like I, I understand it's, it's software still, but still, like, you're going into a different industry that has its own thing, does, does everything else. It has its own big market leaders in software. Um, and I think it's just an, another attempt by Microsoft to take over another industry and stifle competition within said industry, kind of similar to how you had that, those lawsuits when Microsoft released Microsoft Teams and Slack, uh, another communication platform, was not happy about it because they just stole like 80% of the market share or some, some arbitrarily high number from Slack just right off the bat. So... Let the consumers choose. I'll let the consumers choose. I mean, capitalism is is proven time Here's and time thing, again though. that if Microsoft you, you let the you let the consumers decide and dictate what the the companies ultimately will be successful in releasing and and uh, selling. If a product doesn't uh, do well and flops, then it's a flop, and the company stops selling it and making it. If it does well, they continue on and improve it. Right. The only problem that I have with this is. Microsoft has to make it competitively priced within that market. Like when they released teams, it was a free add on to something that a lot of companies already had. So why would they pay Slack like $10 a month per user for this thing that Microsoft now does for free? So I, I'm just hoping they don't do something similar to that. So we'll have to sure. just wait and see. Definitely. Alrighty. Um, in some other stories, we're going to kind of go rapid fire real quick on this. NASA, As if we haven't already. <laughs> I mean, I want a shorter episode today, personally. Our last one was super long. Our um, last one was super duper long. <laughs> yeah. NASA tracing the source of mysterious fast radio bursts seg sending signals to Earth. Uh, long story short, uh, the using the Hubble Space Telescope, they were able to trace the location of 5D space signals. Uh, just basically in a thousandth of a second, these powerful blasts of energy uh, generate as much energy as the sun does in an entire year. Uh, and basically they just show kind of where it came from in a galaxy far, far away. Super cool. Uh, way over my head. Seems interesting. Props to you astronomy people. Yep. Uh, next article this is a, an interesting title. Thanks to CNBC for this one. Yes, it's going to be a hot vac summer. Uh, long story short, this article is uh, hypothesizing uh, and kind of saying that dating apps are going to become more popular after um, COVID times when people are going to be kind of like out and about now during the summer and uh, people want to date. And basically the largest apps in the U.S., um, announced that they are banding together in support of COVID-19 vaccines and creating these kind of like badges that you could put on your accounts 
saying that, hey, I got vaccinated or you should get vaccinated and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> I I appreciate the effort. I'm not sure how far it's going to go, um, but we'll see. So any thoughts on that one, Grislow? Uh that's not going to stop me from swiping right on a girl or, or I guess causing me to swipe left on a girl. I, I really don't think so. I'm vaccinated. I got the Moderna gang. Uh, I got the Pfizer Moderna gang. I see how it is. <laughs> Haley should not J and J. It's not going to stop me from doing swiping how I want. Um, and I'm sure other people think the same way, but there are plenty of people out there. Um, you know, that, can at least use that for some sort of uh, peace of mind. Um, now, I'm not really sure what the verification process on that is. I'm not sure if you can just slap the badge on your you know, um, on your profile um, or if there's some sort of verification process for if you've been vaccinated. I mean, health information is very, uh, is very sensitive. There's a lot of laws regarding that. Um, there's a big, I mean, privacy thing surrounding it. So I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's being more on the onus of the uh, the people who's, uh, who are on these apps and, and not really, uh, like a very verifiable, uh, way of doing it. Right. It, it doesn't mention in this article that there's going to be any form of verification for this. It looks to me right now that they're just going to be like, like, um, like just more generic, like get a vaccine or something like that stickers. So we'll, mm. we'll see. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll definitely see. I'm not going to be putting those on my accounts. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? In other news, and this is actually a pretty big story here, uh, the Department of Homeland Security is going to be issuing its first cybersecurity regulations for pipelines after the colonial hack. And uh, thank you, Grislow, for sending this in. Uh, I was yep. able to give this a read. And the thing that I find the most interesting is the people who are going to be in charge of it is the TSA. We're putting the TSA in charge of this. Long story short, um, from what it sounds like, basically uh, infrastructure providers are now going to have to disclose to the federal government when things uh, get hacked and basically trying to figure out some of the stuff uh, surrounding that. Um, basically, if you're a critical infrastructure, um, you should probably let the let the federal government know when you're going when you get hacked. Uh, this is a really good read, and I'm not sure if you have anything else to mention on this one, uh, Grizzlo, but I am happy to finally see the government giving a damn about social or uh, about cyber attacks because this is a very big problem. Yeah, I am. I mean, as full disclosure, I'm a very limited government person. Um, that's just kind of my philosophy. But I think in this case, it was it's definitely needed, um, especially with the impact that it had on the on the country. I mean, you heard so many stories about people driving eight or nine gas stations, couldn't get gas. Gas is kind of already high. Uh, the price is already high in the States. Um, I think it was like 309 somewhere where I was. And it's not even high, high here compared to places like uh, California, where it's crazy high. Um, and it always has been, or at least more expensive than the Midwest here in Indiana. Um, nevertheless, I think it's a good uh, move. Um, I guess it caught me by surprise that this is their first time doing uh, stuff like this. You'd think that this sort of critical infrastructure would have already kind of fallen under their radar and been taken care of. And it's kind of unfortunate that it took a, a mass critical event for uh, something like this to, to really happen. But I'm glad that it is. That I mean, it is happening. yeah, right. There, there, there's definitely organizations out there and it was more or less recommendations. It's nothing really policy per se of like hey you need you need to do this in the case of this thing happening but um like there's organizations out there that give you guidance on what you should do and how to mitigate the risks of a, a cyber attack so um it's good to see that um in my opinion they're at least acknowledging the problem so it's the first right. step on getting getting a resolution the first step to solving a problem is acknowledging and admitting you have a problem there you go there you go. Well, it has been a rough week for Amazon as well. Uh, the D.C. Attorney General uh, sued Amazon on antitrust grounds, uh, alleging it illegally raises prices. So long story short, um, back in uh, 
back before March of 2019, there was a provision in, um, in Amazon's business solutions agreement that basically said you couldn't offer your product for a lower price anywhere else except Amazon. And this was for all third-party sellers who were trying to sell their products on Amazon. Um, and basically, DC had a had a uh, issue with that. They removed that provision in March 2019, and now they're getting sued for it. So um, we will definitely see how how that one pans out. Uh, I have noticed prices on Amazon, at least by me, going up a little bit. But um, I I don't know. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see how this one plays out. In other news for Amazon, uh, they are extending a moratorium on facial recognition software uh, for police use. So long story short, Amazon Web Services um, is a massive cloud giant, um, as we all know uh, by this point, if you watch the show a couple times. But long story short, they have facial recognition technology that was being used by law enforcement departments to solve cases and monitor people and things and yada, yada, yada. Uh, long story short, Amazon said, yeah, we're not going to do this and basically just said, yeah, we're, we're putting a moratorium on this. And a lot of activists just want it to be uh, permanent. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Not sure if you have any thoughts on this, Grislow. Yeah, um, I think, well, it, it happened at least um, the initial moratorium uh, last June, I think. Uh, and that was kind of at the height of a lot of the craziness, at least in the United States, um, regarding police brutality. And, um, I mean, Amazon responded and, and said that they didn't want to be a part of that sort of problem and, and rescinded their technology. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it's like an ethical thing. Um, where, where Amazon sees that they've kind of created this, maybe they consider it like a beast or, or, or kind of a monster now, um, knowing that, knowing how it can be used and uh, knowing its flaws as well. Um, I, I can definitely see a sort of like regret in Amazon, um, kind of similar to the person who uh, invented the nuke, um, you know, had some, had some, uh, or I'm sorry, dynamite. It was dynamite. Um, Nobel. Um, so I, I see that sort of regret, and I, I understand it, uh, especially if it doesn't fully work. Uh, like it does say in, in the article, it, it struggles with, I believe it's different genders with uh, some uh, skin tones. That's problematic. I wouldn't be using that as in the police force uh, if if I knew it had issues. And so I'm glad that Amazon's uh, extending that moratorium. Um, if it gets better and the software does improve, I can possibly see Amazon um, rescinding that moratorium. But again, I do kind of see a sort of moral obligation that uh, Amazon might be considering uh, during this whole thing that they don't, even, even if the software improves, they may not just want to um, kind of, I don't want to say add to the problem, um, but they, they don't want to be involved whatsoever in, in that uh, sort of area. And so I, I understand, uh, at least for, for where Amazon's coming from. Definitely. Definitely. Well, our next couple articles here are actually a couple updates for stories that we talked about last week. So long story short, uh, Anchor, the parent company of UFI or UFI or whatever, um, apologized after 712 712- uh, customers had camera feeds exposed to strangers. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, long story short. People were seeing other people's cameras, which is no bueno. Uh, they issued an apology on Twitter, basically saying, hey, unplug, reconnect the camera, log out and log in again. Um, and basically they said uh, they use remote P2P access through AWS and uh, encrypt everything. Uh, so long story short, they had no clue what happened. And they're trying to um, figure out what what happened, but they remedied the problem. So I guess that's good. I don't like seeing this happen, but we live in a society where it does, unfortunately. So that's kind of all all I have to say on that one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, it is disappointing to see when that happens. Um, And I, I do believe that not only were they able to, the users... Uh, have access whether they wanted to or not, I suppose. 
uh, to to strangers' casts and, and feeds. They're also able to access some of the, inform- of the user's information, including uh, emails, which is problematic. Right. Um, again, I, like you said, it, it's good that they acknowledge the problem and that it's fixed. Um, at the time, I don't believe we knew the extent of the issue. I believe we had just mentioned that it was an issue in a report issue in Australia and the United States. Uh, further investigation and in and, and that uh, release that they put out on Twitter, uh, it was made public that not only was that an issue in the United States, but in Australia, but also in places like Argentina and the UK, and I believe one or two other countries. Um, so it was a little more extensive than we initially had um, thought. 712 people, um, you know, on the scale of 7 billion people on the planet is a very small number, um, but that is not good press. That's also just not good news. Um, you never want that happening. As a as a consumer, I wouldn't want that happening with any of my products. If someone was able to randomly hear on you know on my HomePod or or any tap into Siri, I I mean they would be able to get anything that I say, um, which would I mean that's unnerving. And cameras are a step further. It's it's audio and video. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's good they fixed it. It's not too great that they didn't acknowledge or or explain what the problem was. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that they fixed it. And also, uh, to be honest with you, I totally forgot about that because uh, they had at least one semi-large product release in the last day or so. At least their uh, sister or parent company, Anchor, um, about some new chargers. So I, I definitely had forgotten about it. And I'm sure they're trying to put this past on uh, them by... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just glad it's... it's... Who knows? solved hopefully i suppose fingers crossed fingers crossed indeed another story that we're going to give a little bit of an update on we were talking about the charlie bit my finger video uh it sold for seven hundred and sixty one thousand dollars as an nft and is currently pending deletion according to the auction house so why do people pay for this this was one of the first viral videos on YouTube. It was. But why, it has how is it worth seven hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars? I suppose. Well, like I'm not getting a Picasso. I'm getting a video of a guy biting another guy's finger. <laughs> well, I mean, th- this is one of the first internet viral videos, and I think there's definitely some some value that comes along with it. Um, I believe also in the auctioning, they had included some sort of clause where it, it's almost like they not only own that video, but also the IP that is associated with it. So that I suppose hmm. um, whoever owns this is giving away or is able to auction off um, some sort of thing where they're going to do a parody video and they're going to try and uh, get some lucky winner. Uh, to to be featured in the video, so I don't know if that's part of the value, but I really do think, and I know you, you're probably confused, but this is this is seriously one of the first viral videos, not only on YouTube but on the internet, um, because YouTube, I mean, YouTube kind of pushed uh, video onto the internet uh, in a in a way in 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 a amount at least daily that has never been seen before. I mean, they have. What is it like? Somewhat thing like days worth of content that's uploaded every minute or something. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, something like so, that. So, um, but yeah, this is this is one of the first, if not the first, viral video, um, on YouTube. It has history, um, and so I suppose with that comes value. I mean, all right. If you say Charlie bit me, that's that's a pretty or bit my finger. You know, everyone knows what you're talking about. It has um, it has some value because of exposure. It has sort of become sort of a ingrained in the culture um so i i see why it is worth as much as it is and it's nice because those kids now are, are old enough i believe it's uh 17 and 15 correct uh or, mm-hmm. or 17 and something else so that money is going to be going towards uh these kids colleges and uh any sort of uh costs that are incurred while in school as you and i know college is expensive it's it's a pretty penny so that's really cool that the uh the parents are uh are putting that money towards the kids and uh, it's going to go for a good you know, cause, right? Right, definitely. Well, another thing cashing in on the NFT craze, never would have pulled, pulled it out of your behind GameStop, building an NFT platform on Ethereum. Who knows for what? 
Who knows what it does? But long story short, uh, basically they say they found a uh, some job postings that uh, GameStop is hiring like blockchain engineers, basically. Uh, so, okay, uh, we'll see what happens. I I don't even yeah. know what to what to say on this. It's <laughs> it's such a cryptic article, and it's such a such an unknown right now that who who knows. <laughs> If you pop into the first uh, link, that is the page that's up. Um, oh, so really? It's a page that, uh, yeah, oh, this is a page that GameStop put up. Um, I also want to be, be the first to note that we are most definitely or, or likely one of the first uh, tech podcasts to break this news. It came out like an hour or two ago. Um, there haven't been new episodes of any other major uh, tech podcasts that I've seen that have uh, announced this news, especially because it's so breaking. So I just want to put that out there. This is breaking news. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, who knows what GameStop's going to be doing with this? I mean, GameStop is having an interesting year. Their, uh, their, their stock's been going up like wild, like crazy, kind of tied in this kind of sort of meme stock, uh, culture we're seeing this year. Um, and they're slowly becoming, you know, irrelevant and, uh, trying to find ways to stay relevant. And I'm sure that this is going to be part of their, uh, big company, uh, strategy moving forward and we'll see what happens. Maybe they could be doing stuff with, uh, they could be, they could be partnering with, uh, game studios. Uh, to put out exclusive content uh, with their game releases. Um, they could be doing stuff with their stores, with different offers. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see. At least I'll say with this specific uh, situation with uh, NFTs, I can at least envision some applications of it and then uh, really benefiting from it. Um, so yeah, this is a practical use of, of NFTs, or at least a, a hopeful use of NFTs or an unknown use of NFTs for, for a company that, that kind of needs a pivot point uh, and, or at least another add on to their, their model. So right. we'll, we'll see what happens going forward, especially since this is, I mean, this is a two hour old uh, oh, yeah. development. I mean, they, <laughs> you can do a lot with an NFT and I I'd love to see GameStop making themselves into and maybe even an NFT marketplace. Who, who knows? Um, and it'll be very cool to see how this develops. We will definitely keep an eye on this. And props to uh, our show here for uh, being first to break this news to you in on YouTube uh, in a podcast format, as far as I can tell. Uh, so it would it would also be really funny as a final point here uh, if they develop a sort of resale NFT market. To see some of the valuations <laughs> on these NFTs going down, the seven hundred sixty thousand or seven hundred sixty-one thousand uh, Charlie bit my finger NFT, you know, selling for twenty dollars. You know, you actually bring up a great point because GameStop's entire business model for a long time was used games. So, used NFTs. Who yeah, knows? reselling NFTs. Yeah. I could definitely see them uh, going into that, especially because they're sort of already in the resale market right now. Uh, with the current uh, offering or, or uh, price offer they're able to give customers on their on their consoles and and equipment and discs games, we'll see what happens with the NFTs. We'll see how long they they hold their value if they're willing to fork over a little more. Uh, as I guess you can say that NFTs typically are more of an investment as opposed to like a, a game that's like a depreciating asset. Um, We'll see. We will definitely see. That that is for sure. Uh some of the other things that uh speaking of stonks and uh crypto and all that stuff, uh Bitcoin uh <laughs> was dropping below thirty two thousand for a uh point over the weekend here and uh well fell roughly sixteen percent to thirty one thousand seven hundred seventy two dollars and forty three cents by twelve twenty seven PM Eastern time. Uh, over the weekend, and yikes, that's all I can say on that. Uh, Bitcoin, I'm I'm not exactly sure where where it's where it's sitting right now. Let Let's find out actually. BTC to USD. Okay, it's at like thirty eight thousand dollars. It still is a little down. Uh, but you you could definitely see that that dip there, uh, a little bit. So. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully that recovers. We'll love to love to see what's what's going on with that. 
Yeah, there's a reason why I don't have any money in Bitcoin uh, or or any uh, cryptocurrency for that matters. Because how volatile it is and uh, how much it can go up and down in a weekend. Um, exactly. It, exactly. Cryptocurrency went up and down when when uh, Elon Musk was hosting SNL, and if that's all it takes for you to lose uh, a cool, uh, good amount of money, then that's that's not really for me. Yeah, that that's sixteen percent. It was down, which is that's a good amount. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's risky, and you get into that and, when you get in crypto. So, and the fact that it still really is is down. It's only up another what five thousand dollars or so uh from where it had crashed to this weekend so it peaked in yeah. april at sixty five thousand dollars and it was down at its lowest point recently to thirty one thousand dollars it still still says it's up 268 percent in the past year according to coinbase uh so we'll see yeah we'll if see. you're a long-term investor um or at least you held on to bitcoin for a long time um I guess the choice is up to you whether or not you want to sell it now. If you think it's only going to go down and you want to reap the benefits of your long-term investment, especially with this year's big boom in, in Bitcoin. If you're a new investor and you're looking at crypto and you're not in it yet, I would not suggest you buy now. We are not financial advisors. <laughs> obligatory statement We are here. not financial advisors. But I would say don't buy now only because it's so volatile. And as someone who doesn't own any cryptocurrency, I can point to this and not even just this uh, one dip and really good dip too, uh, to explain why, um, you know, do your research, do your homework. Um, don't go into this stuff willy nilly because um, you, you got a lot to lose, especially with, with a big dip like this. Yes, we are not financial advisors. Thank you, Fitz. Um, but yeah, just be careful, you know. Definitely. Well, speaking of going into things willy-nilly, uh, Google decided to go into uh, retail willy-nilly. Uh, Microsoft went into retail and software. Uh, Google decided to open a store. Uh, they're going to be opening a retail store where it will sell phones and other gadgets to open this summer in the Chelsea neighborhood of New York City. Um, so, yeah. Uh, cool, I guess. I don't see why Google needs to have a store for their like four things they make, but sure, have at it. Uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Sure. Um, yeah, it, you know it, it's interesting just because um, at least with this year, last two years, we've kind of seen a departure for some companies, uh, chiefly uh, Microsoft, for pulling out of the brick and mortar game uh, and not having. Uh, you know, physical stores where people can go and see their products. And like you said, uh, Google doesn't really make a ton. They've got their Pixel. Um, they've got, I believe, uh, the Fitbit stuff, um, the Nest products. Other than that, I mean, that's a small section or two sections at a Best Buy. It's not really a, a full store's worth of, of, of things. Um, right. If they're trying to really challenge Apple, I, I guess we'll find out. This is going to be their first brick-and-mortar store. Um, but especially with the pandemic and people shopping online, I don't really know if a big push into brick and mortar is uh, a good financial investment for a company uh, or a good business model uh, or new business model uh, for, for Google. Um, I suppose uh, Amazon, uh, you, you could say it has gone into the brick and mortar game now with their, uh, their in and out uh, stores, the grocery stores, but they're not selling products uh, in those stores, or at least they're not really only there to sell their Amazon products. I haven't gone in the one. I, I'm not quite sure. I think you've been to one, right? Yeah, I've been to one of the, the Amazon Fresh stores. They're they're really cool, actually. We should talk about that maybe in another episode. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Super cool. Um, it's a grocery store yeah, that has Amazon stuff. Woo. Yeah. But the brick and mortar model, I think, is kind of a dying breed, especially for companies that don't start out as brick and mortar stores. Google is a software company. At least they started as a software company. Um, they do hardware, absolutely. Um, and they're doing more of it. Um, but I'm not sure if a brick and mortar store for them is really necessary, especially like, don't they have, uh, sections, especially like in, for example, Best Buy, where you can go and, and see their products where they have someone I believe that's sort so. of like a, they, they a have, Google rep. Not, I, I think so. I mean, even at like your, your 
your all-around stores, they have, like, little Google, like, displays that show basically what they make, which is, like, a condensed version of the store, basically, from what what it sounds like. Like, they have, like, the, the Fitbit, they have the, the Google Home, they have, like, an Android tablet or something like that in, in this little little cubby, basically. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. I think, I think the most interesting thing about all this, aside from the fact of, or aside from, trying to see where they go um, in the future and how this one store does fare is the fact that they are very nearby an Apple store. Uh, they're not too far from one and they do compete with them in, in the phone market. So uh, I guess we'll see if that sort of impacts their sales um, versus the Apple store sales or the Apple store sales uh, tank in, in terms of their phones, because they now have a competitor down the street. I don't think so. I really don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I don't think one store in a very specific location is going to impact them much at all. Um, and I really do not think it's going to lead to a, a big rollout of, of retail stores. Apple is kind of the chief at, at the tech specific um, company that has their own retail stores and does it very well. Um, we'll see how Google does it. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to see how if it works out for them. I'm not holding on to a lot of hope, but whatever. Uh, yeah. So, and other. I guess the one. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut Go you ahead. off. But the one thing I think is cool is that they'll be offering uh, sort of maintenance and stuff and uh, tech support for some of their products. So I do see that as a good benefit um, to having a brick and mortar store. I mean, Apple has their Genius Bar set up. It's very nice. It's very intuitive. It works very well. Um, and it's very easy uh, for, for someone who has issues to go into a store and uh, have their product looked at and, uh, you know, do a little troubleshooting. So I can see that is a good plus, specifically because they are in the smartphone business to have uh, their own company reps there and, and people from, from Google uh, able to help them directly with their own products. Um, but again, I, I'm not sure if they really need a full store um, for that. Right. We'll see. We will definitely see. That's all I got. See. Sorry. There you go. In <laughs> something other... I wanted to mention, but I forgot. <laughs> no worries. In other Google news, uh, Google had IO 2021, uh, and they made a lot of announcements. Uh, they're trying to be carbon-free 24-7 by 3030. Okay. Let's see that happen. Uh, Project Starline basically is like a uh, full-size video teleconferencing thing with people generated by 3d imaging. Interesting. We'll go into that in a little soon. Derm assist. It's like, what is this thing on my skin? And you scan it with your phone or something. Uh, some color correction fixing, fixing for their camera. I know Ryan will want to talk about that. So we'll leave that for next time. Uh, some wear OS updates, integrations with Android, where you could use basically your phone to control your TV, Android 12, uh, finally coming along, which will be great. Some little tiny, um, machine learning stuff that they've done, uh, some stuff with their shopping maps, AR, yada, 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 privacy stuff. Um, and just kind of some quantum research that they've been doing, which is, uh, really cool. So a lot of cool updates. We're definitely going to keep an eye on this, go into a little more detail in the next video um, here on Tech Talk Nation. In some other news, a uh, couple rapid fire articles from Tesla here. Uh, Tesla is going to be removing radar sensors from their cars. They're actually already shipping cars without radar sensors. And this is due to Elon Musk basically being like, Hey, we don't want, we don't want, uh, to be solely reliant on radar. Let's, I want us to be solely reliant on cameras and all this stuff. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, I would prefer radar personally as a second source. Um, not sure how you feel on that one, Grislow. <laughs> Yeah, so they're they're rolling this out on the Model Three and the Model Y exclusively right now. Um, Wait a second, Amazon's listening. They're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but well, there uh, really only has been uh, negative coverage in this episode, but I suppose they're listening. Um, I guess we're gonna have to use some more Apple products so that they don't track us too much here yeah, there we on go. the uh, on the show. 
But yeah, so they're going to be rolling this out for uh, exclusively with the Model 3 and Model Y. Um, I think a big reason for that is because that's the bulk of their sales. And so they want to roll this out on those vehicles um, so that they're better able to uh, get better data and more data um, with the uh, more mass market vehicles that they sell um, so that they can improve the technology and, and do a better job um, rolling it out on their more expensive models, um, which I think is smart. Um, I would also be a little hesitant as someone who is buying a Model 3 or Y um, if they're only rolling it out on these vehicles and not the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason, um, but yeah, I, I don't really know how I feel about them switching over in the technology. I, I didn't really quite understand why um, other than I'm not wanting to really be dependent on uh, on that feature. So it's called, I believe the new one is called Tesla Vision. And it's what they're calling their, their new uh, auto drive features that mm-hmm. uh, have this new camera technology. Um, and also they will be restricting some of these features uh, or the features that they would typically have on these cars, um, but rolling them out or I guess unlocking them uh, via software updates uh, in the coming months. So features that would typically be uh, not or would be used are kind of disabled right now and they'll be uh, re-enabled in the future. Um, again, another reason why I would kind of be concerned or at least kind of annoyed as a consumer if I was in the market for one of these. Um, but definitely. Say la vie. Say la vie. There you go. In other Tesla and lose, say la vie. Uh, Elon Musk wants to strap a rocket to the back of a Tesla Roadster to go from zero to sixty in one point one seconds. Uh, would be hell a, yeah. Would be a full <laughs> second faster than any existing production car right now. And then the article says it is unclear how Musk will develop a street legal rocket boosted car. Okay, Elon. Nice job. Let's see it happen. That is my yeah. That is my stance <laughs> on this article right here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the reason why that they're not really sure how they're going to implement it is be- is mostly because they're not really sure how they're going to test it because there aren't currently any uh, testing regulations, restrictions, or um, ways to verify that this will be good for street legal cars. So um, this is a car that's been in development or at least has been released and been known about for about four years now. And uh, it seems like it's not going to be coming anytime sooner, especially uh, when the government now has to develop new testing procedures and policies for this vehicle. Nonetheless, this is going to be a really cool uh, vehicle, this SpaceX package with their uh, rockets. I believe it's going to be uh, like option package. (laughs) Yep. I believe it's going to be like an array of rockets around the car, which, again, sounds just crazy. Um, What this is supposed to be there kind of crazy car right um the roadster is supposed to be their fast uh car so we'll, we'll see how this works they, he does mention that uh if you are uh if you have any medical issues you might not want to use this uh especially because the amount of thrust and uh, g-force you will feel uh is far upwards of what you would typically feel um estimates were around two and a half g's um but We'll, we'll see what actually happens. And when this comes out, I'm sure people are going to put this to the test and uh, really try this out to the max. Jeez, yeah, we, we will definitely have to see this one. Uh, last Tesla story we got for you today is Tesla found guilty in Norway of throttling charging speed and asked to pay $16,000 to thousands of Tesla owners. Long story short, only Model X... Uh, were a, a Model X and Model X vehicles with 85 kilowatt battery packs, which were discontinued in 2016, were affected. Um, and long story short, it just kind of tanked their range. Uh, so rip to them. Uh, it'll be interesting because this is the first kind of like worldwide um, kind of result here, or uh, excuse me, verdict here. Um, Definitely going to have to see how this works for a lot of other uh, courts throughout the rest of the world. Yeah, there's a, I believe there's a lawsuit right now in California. There was like class action lawsuit that was started. Um, and so this is certainly something that's not new. Um, 
and in the article actually that they had pulled up there, there was a, a person, one of the owners of one of these vehicles, was charting his uh, battery uh, capacity. And uh, if you if you open it and, and look at the the chart, you can very clearly see around the time where uh, this new uh, feature and software update went out, and uh, his range absolutely plummeted. You can very clearly see where that's affected. Um, and so, yes, it was obviously a, a software thing. It's something that a lot of companies, not just Tesla, has struggled with uh, privately and publicly. Uh, Apple being a very uh, infamous uh, perpetrator of this sort of issue, especially with uh, some of their older phones trying to draw performance out of their phones. So uh, having issues with the battery and now Tesla is another company uh, that's coming under fire for doing the same thing. Um, but still under the same guise and under the, uh, the sort of statements of we we're trying to preserve battery we were trying to extend the life of the battery but ultimately um it just leaves the consumer unhappy and especially when you do that without saying anything that causes a lot of problems and uh it sounds like it's going to be a sixteen thousand dollar uh per user problem for yeah. tesla once they have to pay all these people definitely and to be fair this this graph is a little misrepresentative of the actual difference uh this like the bottom here is 215 and the top is 265 so you only have like what a uh, 50 mile difference in this entire range but still 50 miles is 50 miles that's a, that's a lot um so right. we will definitely see how tesla is able to recover from this and uh see if this affects any any verdicts throughout the rest of the world Absolutely. Well, the last article we have for you tonight, you may be wondering, I, I drive an electric. What the heck does that mean? Well, uh, Grizzlo was nice enough to send in this article, and I had to make it the feature of the show uh, just because I thought it was hilarious. So uh, without further ado, the first electric Pope mobile will be a Fisker Ocean SUV. And I love, I absolutely love this like really, really crappily photoshopped image in TechCrunch of the little Pope box on the back of a Fisker SUV. <laughs> I think this is hilarious. Um, and basically they're going to plan to deliver uh, this vehicle to the Vatican late next year. And it will be based on the Fisker, o Fisker Ocean SUV. Um, and basically Pope Francis and Henrik Fisker just kind of sat down and were like, yeah, here, we're going to make you a Pope mobile. And he's like, awesome. So <laughs> we will see. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's some that's some news. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think it's interesting with the choice that they made, that the Vatican made with that specific car maker, with Fisker. Um, they haven't been around that long, so they hadn't really proven themselves. In fact, they kind of started out as more of a luxury um, electric vehicle boutique uh, company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so to see them go into this uh, this new deal with the Vatican is interesting um at least from like a catholic perspective um you know i i suppose one of the teachings is you know you want to be a steward of the earth you want to take care of what the greater guy above us uh has given us and so i suppose it makes sense that the uh pope mobile is going to be electrified uh it, it goes with sort of the the teachings of the church um also it's just kind of the way that life and things are going right everything's being electrified so it makes sense the pope has uh, an electric vehicle i'm not sure if we'll ever see i suppose like a uh an electrified beast uh the uh the car that carries the president um but this is i suppose a start for uh major world leaders or major world figures uh being carried around and, and bust around in these electric cars um i'm not a huge fan of, of fisker um only because they don't really put out much and uh, their cars are sort of expensive compared to some of the other uh, consumer or, or, or more affordable electric vehicles. Nonetheless, I think this is a kind of cool thing. Like you said, uh, mm -hmm. the Photoshop job is pretty funny. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to look a little better than that. But typically, I will say the Popemobiles look a little out there sometimes. Yeah, that, Only that out is... of necessity, though. Exactly, exactly. And this article is actually pretty interesting. It says... Uh... 
Pope Francis has been known to use a Ford Focus to drive around Vatican City, and that Fisker is aiming to start the production of this SUV to have a base price of $37,499 on November of 2022. So we will definitely hmm. see. And I mean, I'd like to see um, if <laughs> when this works out, I mean, see uh, Pope Francis rolling around in a Fisker. Who who would have thunk? So Yeah, well, I mean, that, that price is definitely a little more uh, affordable uh, and, and definitely within the range of the... Uh, the more affordable Teslas. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Like I said, typically those, those Pope mobiles are the kind of monstrosities, lab monstrosities of whatever the donor car was. Right. Uh, so we'll see how this actually does look and how much they have to transform this, this car to meet the, I, I don't know what they call them. The, the Vatican police or the, the Pope, the Pope Secret Service's a, standards for security—they they have a name um, for them. I'm, I forget what it was, but do they really? Yeah, yeah. What? Let's see. Pope. I know that it's not too far off in the rendering for the Pope to be in like a glass box or at mm-hmm. least a, some sort of walled uh, structure. Uh, see the structure. Swiss Guard. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's the Swiss Guard. Uh, the duty of protecting the Pope, defending Vatican City, and providing police and security services within its territory. Thank you, Wikipedia. Is that, like, from Switzerland, then? Those guards? Because the I... Vatican is technically its own entity. I don't know, actually. Um, fun fact, actually, I found this out today. Uh, with probably five other major football stadiums you can also fit the entirety of the vatican inside of the uh indianapolis uh motor speedways track hmm. um so yeah thunk. <laughs> you can you can fit the vatican and a lot more in fact you could probably fit i think two uh or two in a some change uh vaticans inside uh inside the speedway uh, with the, the the race happening this weekend, which of course me being out of state, I I wasn't really privy to that. And on our call this morning for the team, uh, they started talking about the race, and I said, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to be the new guy about this. What race are you talking about? And I should have known. It's I'm in Indiana. I should have known that it, they were specifically talking about the race, the one and only uh, Indy 500, of which. There'll be 40% capacity, I believe. And even that is over well over 100,000 people with the total capacity of the uh, stadium being somewhere around, I believe, 257,000 people. It's the biggest sporting venue, I believe, yeah, anywhere. Um, and, of course, one of the biggest sporting events ever uh, out there every Definitely. year. Um, Imagine. But, yeah, that's how, big the, that's how small the Vatican is and how big the 8500 is. Imagine how many Fisker Pope mobiles you could fit in there. Who knows? <laughs> if somebody wants to do the math, leave it in the comments. Uh, maybe maybe it'll give me something to do when I'm bored or can't fall asleep or something. Who knows? <laughs> well, anyway, that's all we have for you tonight. Uh, thank you to Grizzlo for coming. Once again, always a pleasure. Thank you for being here. And uh, we will be back next week with more Tech Talk Nation. So have a great week, and we will see you then. Thanks, Fitz. Always a pleasure. There's the browser. I should probably close the show. Alrighty. Well, anyway, uh, let's try this again. Have a great week, everybody. And I click the wrong button in the broadcasting software. So uh, don't do that. Have a wonderful week and we will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to tech talk nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.